Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and uh, fill out our listener survey, survey.greatdetectives.net. Well, today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all of your support. Here, here now is today's episode of The Fat Man. Murder is the medium. When your stomach's upset, don't add to the upset. Taste soothing Pepto-Bismol and feel good again. There he goes, into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scale. Weight, 239 pounds. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. To most people, a zoo is a collection of four-footed animals. But there's one menagerie I know of where the inmates walk on two feet. In the first cage, for instance, you'll find the giant forger, whose specialty is writing other people's names. And in another iron cell, you can inspect the genus Pickpocket, known also as the Little Dip, who can sometimes prove that the hand is quicker than the eye. But the prize exhibit is a hopped-up character with a nervous twitch in his forefinger. He prowls alone when he looks for prey, and he's known for his taste for murder. That's the Fat Man, a fast-moving criminologist who tips the scales at 239 pounds. Brought to you by the Norwich Pharmacal Company Limited, makers of Pepto-Bismol, Anguantine, and other fine drug products. Overeat or eat too fast. You're looking for trouble with your digestion. That's no time to add to the upset. Instead, try a better way, a gentle way. Take soothing Pepto-Bismol. Yes, when you're bothered by heartburn, nervous indigestion, or other common digestive disturbances, Pepto-Bismol promptly helps to calm and quiet the upset. It settles and sweetens it. You feel good again. Next time you eat too much or too fast, you can do something for that uneasy, uncomfortable feeling. Try soothing Pepto-Bismol. That's right. When your stomach's upset, don't add to the upset. Take soothing Pepto-Bismol and feel good again.
And now from New York, The Fat Man. Starring J. Scott Smart in Murder is the Medium. The Reynard, Oscar and Harriet, were a typical suburban pair. Except that Oscar was six or eight years younger than his over-upholstered spouse. He was a neat little guy in a seersucker suit, while Mrs. Reynard looked like the vice president in charge of production for the Hillsdale Sewing Circle. I'm Mrs. Harriet Reynard, Mr. Runyon, and this is my husband, Oscar. My second husband, that is. My first husband, Melvin, was uh, supposed to have died two years ago. Isn't it official yet? Of course, Mr. Runyon, but Harriet has the notion... Oscar, you promised to let me tell it to Mr. Runyon in my own way. I'm sorry, my dear. Uh, what's the story, Mrs. Reynard? About four weeks ago, Oscar and I happened to wander into a rug shop on the lower west side. After we looked at the owner's wares, he invited us into a back room to meet his wife. An attractive woman, Mr. Runyon, with uh, an uh, interesting face. We were told that she had occult powers and could bring the dead back to life. Then he asked us if we wanted to attend a manifestation. You mean a seance? He didn't call it a seance, but I suppose that's what it was. At any rate, we returned that evening, just out of curiosity, and I spoke to my dear departed husband. Now, Harriet. It too, Oscar, you were there. It was Melvin's voice, and I saw his face light up in the dark right in front of me. I'll admit she's right, Mr. Runyon. Oscar thought it was some kind of a trick, and asked me not to go there again. But I couldn't resist, and I went by myself without his knowledge. I saw Melvin again. He seemed to be sitting in an office, dictating a letter to a stenographer. How was business? What? Uh, skip it. Go on, Mrs. Brenner. Well, on this second visit, I received a message from Melvin, asking for a little money to tide him over. I couldn't refuse, Mr. Runyon, and live with my conscience. After all, it was Melvin's money I inherited, and besides... How much did he ask you for? Five hundred dollars. Can you imagine that? And Harriet was fool enough to give it to them. I... It wasn't much, Mr. Runyon, and neither was the 1500 he asked for later. But now, I'm beginning to think I may have made a mistake. Mm -hmm. The last time I went there on Wednesday night, I was told that Melvin was bankrupt, and he needed $20,000 in a hurry. That was when I decided I ought to have some outside advice. You still think you spoke to your first husband? I wouldn't have accepted Melvin's voice alone as final proof, but I saw him, Mr. Runyon. Right in front of me. And I wouldn't mistake the face of a man I'd been married to for 15 years. When's your next rendezvous with Melvin, Mrs. Reynard? Today at six. Is that when you're supposed to shell out with a 20 grand? I was told to bring it all in cash. Have you made the withdrawal? Not yet. But I have $500 in my bag. Mm, let's have that. In advance? Isn't that unusual, Mr. Runyon? Now keep your shirt on. I'm not in that much of a hurry for a fee. Here you are. Five $100 bills. Good. Now, just a minute. What are you doing, Mr. Runyon? Uh, marking these bills. Uh, all right, Mrs. Runyon. Put them back in your bag and hand them to the medium when you see her. Then leave the rest to me. Just what do you intend to do? Communicate with the spirit world, Oscar, and get a receipt from Melvin for Mrs. Reynard's dough. <laughs> The rug shop was a murky little joint that reminded me of an Asiatic bazaar. 
The walls were covered with oriental rugs, and I could smell the pungent odor of strong, aromatic coffee someone was brewing in the rear. The proprietor was a thin little man whose accent I couldn't quite place, but I knew it wasn't far from the Persian Gulf. His manners were impeccable, and his smile was full of teeth, while he clasped his skinny hands in a gesture of greeting. It is my wish to serve you, sir. Oh, are you the owner? Mr. Puissan, at your command. Well, I'm shopping for rugs. Ah, we make a specialty here, sir, of rugs. Uh, you are perhaps familiar with oriental rugs? Uh, in a sketchy way. Then permit me to make a few suggestions in my humble manner. The finest rugs, as you might know, come from Persia. And uh, this is a perfect example. Just feel its texture, sir. Hmm. This is a spike of kitten. It is a kashan. A notable weave. Observe the striking red foundation with its floral designs and exquisite lines. Yeah, reminds me a little of an Ispahan. Oh, an Ispahan. Then you do know something about weaving. Ispahan is a rare treasure indeed. Creations of genius from the 16th century. But only a few choice specimens are now in existence. And they're worth a king's ransom. Yeah, you've got quite a display here, Pushan. It's very fair. Must take quite a bit of lettuce to make a collection like this. Looks to me like it's worth a lot of dough. They are here on consignment only, my friend. And all I receive is a commission for the sale. But uh, you do not appear very interested. Oh, why don't you let me browse around for an hour or so? I, I like to take my time. I would be most happy to permit it, sir. But unfortunately, I must close the shop at six. My wife is conducting a manifestation at that time. Oh, your wife is a medium? Well, she does not call herself a medium, but she communicates with the spirit world. Well, that sounds interesting. Uh, any chance of getting in? Is there some dear departed loved one you wish to contact? Oh, dozens of them. Wisdom! Wisdom! Oh, Angela, my dear. Uh, my assistant, sir. How do you do? Your wife wants to see you. Oh, thank you, Angela. Uh, excuse me for one moment, sir. Charlene. Who are you? The name is Runyon. What are you doing here? Shopping. You're not looking for rugs. You're looking for trouble. Well, buy that too, if necessary. Is this a raid? Not exactly. There's no law against conducting a meeting in this state. But there's a law against fraud, sweetheart, and it's still in the book. Pardon me, sir. Yeah? As my wife has requested that you join us inside. Show the gentleman in, Angela. You'd better get out of here while the going's good. And miss a chance of communicating with the dead? Suit yourself. But look out, you don't end up on their side. She led me to a room in the back that was windowless and smelled as stuffy as a tomb. There were a number of folding chairs lined up against the wall, the kind they use in funeral parlors. And behind a bare desk, her face as rigid as a mask, sat an oriental-looking woman. We were joined by Oscar Reynard and his wife about five minutes later, but we gave no sign of recognition. And as Puissan shuffled to the center of the room, I could feel the tension mounting like the approach of an electrical storm. The light, Angela. Put it out, please. Now we are ready to begin. We are waiting, Salah. We are gathered here together this night again to make contact with our friends in other worlds. 
Is there anyone here who wishes to talk to one of the departed? I do. Identify yourself, please. Harriet Bernard. And who do you wish to see? Melvin Bishop, my late husband. Melvin. Melvin Bishop. Do you hear me? Return to earth and make your presence known. Melvin. The contact is difficult, Salah. Very difficult. But you promised me he'd come. I am sorry, Mrs. Reynard, but it's quite impossible. Ah! Melvin! It's Melvin! There he is, Mr. Runyon, above her head. It happened so fast, I didn't have a chance to make a move. The face of a man of 60 appeared behind the medium, hazily at first, then much clearer, like solidifying smoke. The next thing I knew, someone brushed past me quickly, and I heard the door open and close as I broke for the light. But Oscar beat me to it. And when the light went on, I saw him standing near the switch while his wife had passed out completely in her chair. Harriet, she's fainted. She'll be all right. Looks as though the rest of the party decided to call it a day. I saw him. It was Melvin. Now you know that I was right. I'll show you what you saw, Mrs. Reynard. Over to this wall. What is it, Mr. Runyon? Look. What? There's a hole in the wall. Covered over with transparent paper. And there's a camera inside the hole, worked by remote control. A roll of movie film and a little ingenuity goes a long way as far as suckers are concerned. And as for his voice, I... Well, it looks as though something new has been added. Move away from that desk, Oscar. Ah, it's a medium, Mr. Ray. It's Sarah, on the floor behind the desk. With a ten-inch stiletto stuck in her back. up with the fat man. The police sent out a citywide alarm for Quistan and his girlfriend. But three days went by with practically no result. Then I got myself a bright idea. I put an ad in all the papers that must have read like a winning lottery number to a rug dealer. Because I offered to sell a genuine Isfahan for exactly 100 bucks. I listed my phone address and my apartment number, but I didn't include my name. And for a day or so, I was flooded with fancy offers. I just about figured that Puisson was wise to the gag when I got another call. And as I put on my best international accent, I recognized Puisson's dulcet tones at the other end of the wire. Hello? Yes? I am calling in regard to an advertisement in the paper. 
Ah, the rug. And you say it is an Ispahan? Oh, the genuine article. And why do you wish to sell it so cheaply? I am selling a rug, my friend, but not a history of how I obtained it. I see. Do you wish to inspect it? If you please. My address was included in the advertisement. Will you be home within the hour? I shall be most delighted. And I shall be most pleased to visit your house. Mr. Runyon. Hello, Poisson. Come in. Come in and make yourself at home. But the uh, name downstairs in the mailbox. It was perfect. Uh, don't tell anybody, but he's the guy who sells me my towels. What a trick. And a pretty obvious one. I didn't think you were dumb enough to fall. Now, just raise your hands above your shoulders, sweetheart, like a good little man. But I, I have no weapons, if that's what you are looking for. No extra stilettos to spare? You think I killed Fella? Oh, no, of course you didn't. She died of a heavy cold. But I didn't even know what had happened in that room. Until I read it in the papers, Mr. Runyon. I swear that is the truth. Then what was your hurry to scram out? And don't tell me you had a date with your dentist. I was pulled out. By one of Sala's ghosts? By Angela. Incidentally, where is she? Angela? Now, don't stall, Poisson. I'm way ahead of you. I, I don't know where she has gone. That sounds very convincing. Okay, try this one. How did you get a hold of that film of Melvin Bishop? What film? Oh, brother. Now we're really getting cagey. No, nothing about a film. Or a camera. And how about those old dictaphone records you used? Don't tell me Melvin made them after he was buried. Oh, you are trying to confuse me. I don't know what you mean, Mr. Runyon. Okay, I'll explain it to you in a different way. Up to now, all you faced was a fraud, Brad. You might have gotten a year or two in the clink, or even a suspended sentence for a first offense. But homicide is a different story. But I didn't murder her, Mr. Runyon. What shall I do? Tell me how to save myself. I'm an innocent man. Where's Angela, Poisson? If, if I tell you where to find her, will I go free? Well, that all depends. But if you don't give me a lead, you haven't got a chance. Very well, Mr. Runyon. I will take you to Angela. We got into my car and drove downtown to a section near Greenwich Village. Then parked near one of those gypsy hangouts converted from an empty store. A phrenologist's skull was pictured in the window along with a giant human hand. And inside at a small table with a bottle of hooch in front of her was Angela. Poisson? I see you double in brass, baby. How's the palm reading business? What do you want? I'd like to have my fortune told. Angela? Shut up! So this is what I get for being loyal to you. You double-crossing little stool pigeon. But he said it was murder, Angela. And he told me... They give me the electric chair. I hope they do. I hope you sit there with that frog. Maybe you'll be sitting on his lap, sweetheart. You've got nothing on me. I didn't kill Sally. Why should I? Because you hated her. Why, you liar! Uh, 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 temper, temper. How many times did you make a play for me behind her back? This is not true, Mr. Rose. Not much it isn't, you hypocritical little fake. No, I treated Angela as a daughter. And as far as my wife was concerned, I never knew until the other night that she was a frog. You mean you attended those phony sessions and played it straight? I believe my wife had occult powers because I am a superstitious man. 
Whatever was done was done without my knowledge. <laughs> this jerk was so dumb, his own wife didn't trust him. And I felt sorry for him. Like a dope, I try to save his rotten hide. But from now on, he's on his own. He can worm his way out of this one all by himself. You've got a little worming of your own, Lieutenant any, sweetheart. Don't threaten me. You've got nothing on me but a misdemeanor. You don't say. All right, so I did figure out the moving picture stunt. So what? With Salo collected the doll. And it was Salo who also held out on me for my share. But I fixed her wagon. With a ten-inch knife. I didn't touch her. All I did was work the movie camera when she didn't expect it. I knew you were a private dick, and so did she. We were supposed to let this act go flat that night, so you couldn't get any evidence. Too bad that room was dark. I would have loved to see her face when I flashed that picture on the wall. Where'd you get a hold of it? Wouldn't you like to know? Believe me, sweetheart, I'm gonna know. You can take me into custody. And you can question me from now until the cows come home. You won't be able to hold me for murder, and you know it. How much are you getting paid to keep your mouth shut? Plenty. A lot more than you can afford to pay to open it up. And there's no question about my getting the moolah this time, handsome. Because this time, I'm on the receiving end alone. Here's luck, you oversized flatfoot. All good for me. And all that. Brenda, what has happened to her? She's dead, Poussin. Dead? That bottle of booze must be loaded with poisoned dynamite. She said she was on the receiving end, and she wasn't kidding. I put in a call to headquarters and left Poussin with a body. Then I hopped into my car and started for Mrs. Reynard's suburban home. I didn't bother with the doorbell, but entered through the service entrance in the basement and found my way upstairs to the first floor. The house was dark, which suited me fine, and I used a pocket flash to browse around. But ten minutes later, as I was going through a study desk, I suddenly found out the place wasn't as empty as I thought it was. Oh, good evening. What are you doing in my house, Mr. Onion? Didn't the butler announce me, Oscar? I can't believe it. Can it be possible that you're nothing but a common thief? Oh, stop. Where's your wife? She's ill in bed. I was turning in myself when I heard a noise down here, so I found my gun and decided to investigate. Oh, relax, Oscar. Put the gun away. You know I didn't come here to steal the silverware. Well, why did you come? I was looking for some film. Film? Movie film. Was the late Melvin Bishop an amateur motion picture fan? That's something I couldn't tell you. Well, then maybe Mrs. Reynard can. I told you she was ill. Huh? What's the matter with her? The shock of the medium's murder was a little too much. Well, she can spare me a couple of minutes. Time will be long. You insist on seeing her? Yeah, if it's all right with you. Very well, Mr. Onion. Oscar. Yes? Don't you think we'd both be a little more comfortable without that gun in your hand? I'm perfectly relaxed. There's no one notice. My wife is on the floor above. We'll use those stairs. You can proceed to her room, Mr. Runyon, and I will follow. Right behind. We slowly climbed the staircase to the upper floor, and Oscar nudged me into the room with a barrel of his gun. His wife was in bed, propped up on a couple of pillows, and I noticed a glass of milk on a table right next to her. She looked a little startled when her husband and I walked in, 
particularly when she saw the gun in Oscar's hand and the unusual expression on his ordinarily timid face. Sorry to disturb you, Mrs. Reynard. I found Mr. Runyon in the study downstairs prowling through the house. I don't understand. We will in just a minute. Mr. Runyon would like to ask you a question, Harriet. It's already answered. That moving picture film the medium used belonged to Melvin Bishop, and it came from here. I found more just like it in the study desk. But how did they get hold of it? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. It could have been stolen by Angela, for instance. But that theory was eliminated when Angela was. Eliminated? The girl is dead, Mrs. Raynard. She had a visitor a few minutes before I spoke to her. He brought a bottle of poisoned whiskey and a proposition to keep her mouth shut. She accepted both and crossed herself off my list. But that's incredible. Your husband made a bargain with Salah the medium to fleece you a little dough. He gave her the film and a couple of Melvin's old dictaphone discs. When Melvin asked you for the money, the voice was dubbed in. But it wasn't hard to do with a perfect model on a record. The man is mad, Harriet. Absolutely mad. On the night I went to Puissons, Oscar got in touch with Salah. He told her a private detective was on his way and had to play it down. She was going to do just what he asked her to when Angela decided to throw a monkey wrench in the works. Oscar thought Salah was crossing him, so he knocked her off. Don't you think you might... But it's as good as in the bag. You're the only logical nominee who happens to be left, Oscar. You settled that when you settled with Angela. Yes, I settled with her the way I intend to settle with you, Mr. Runyon. Only I'm not blackmailing you, Oscar. I'm putting you in the chair. <laughs> you ought to stick to poison, Oscar. <laughs> you killed him. The only thing that would kill this guy would be a dose of DDT. You mind if I borrow that glass of milk, Mrs. Reynard? I imagine Oscar prepared it for you with his own little hand. Oh, oh. Come on, come out of it, sweetheart. Oh. Papa's got a little drink. Here, would you like to wet your whistle? No, take it away for heaven's sake. Don't put that glass near my mouth. It's funny, I had a hunch about that one. What's in that glass, Mr. Runyon? A slight dose of poison, Mrs. Reynard. Poison? Probably enough to kill a horse. Someone must have given your husband a chemistry set for Christmas. All right, Oscar, up on your feet. All right, all right. The next time you attend a seance, you'll be sitting in the important chair. And when they pull that switch, mister, you'll contact Melvin Bishop in person. Before you go to bed tonight, look in your medicine cabinet. See if you have a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. If you haven't, Make a note to stop in at your druggist tomorrow morning. With Pepto-Bismol on hand, you're ready to help relieve the distress of acid indigestion, heartburn, or that uneasy upset feeling that follows overeating. Anybody can take Pepto-Bismol anytime. Pepto-Bismol contains no sugar. If you haven't yet tried Pepto-Bismol, ask your druggist. So remember, when your stomach's upset, don't add to the upset. Take soothing Pepto-Bismol. And feel good again. week, the Norwich Pharmaco Company presents that fascinating and exciting character, the fat man, in the adventure called Murder Rides the Breakers. 
A short while ago, a traveling salesman threw his cigarette butt out of the car window as he sailed along listening to his car radio. It was a dry day. There was a breeze. Well, you know the rest. The cigarette set fire to the dried grass, caught some twigs, then spread along the roadside till some low branches burst into flame. Then another breeze sprang up, and the big fire stopped. But the traveling salesman had gone from there. He never realized that his carelessness had caused a forest fire. You're not like that, salesman. You never throw lighted butts out of the car windows, do you? Fat Man is brought to Canadian listeners by the Norwich Pharmacal Company Limited, Toronto, Canada. Herb May speaking. This is the Dominion Network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Welcome back. Well, we once, once again hear something a little bit different here. Uh, I should note that this episode was originally broadcast July 22nd, 1949, and it's the last of the 1940s episodes of The Fat Man we have uh, available to us. And of course, this was actually, a, uh, this particular recording was originally broadcast in Canada. Now you may wonder what the Dominion Network was. Uh, the Dominion Network uh, network was a second network of the uh, Canadian uh, Broadcasting Company. Uh, there were a bunch of independent stations uh, that um, uh, private affiliates, they wanted to start uh, their own radio network so they could carry some American programming uh, and they were turned down by the government. But there really was a demand and a need for that sort of network. And so uh, the CBC, kind of afraid that eventually they might get their way, the Dominion Network was established. And during the evening, the Dominion Network, uh, they tended to run... Uh, they, they tended to run lighter uh, programs, uh, and uh, American programs in particular. During the daytime, there wasn't any particular program, so... They could purchase, so affiliate owners could uh, go ahead and purchase um, uh, uh, purchase programs and syndicate things, do local shows, a whole lot of uh, choice there. Uh, And then it eventually did break up, uh, the network did in 1962. But uh, thanks to them, we have an episode of The Fat Man. It's somewhat unique because there were actually only 34 privately owned networks so less opportunity for uh transcription disc to exist but i think it does say something about the fat man uh that it did end up being picked up in canada uh its u.s popularity and quality uh were enough to make it uh in demand up there all right well that will do it We'll see you next week with another episode of The Fat Man. Join us tomorrow for Let George Do It. In the meanwhile, uh, rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and call us 208-991-4783. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Gramson, and off.